the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Going right here, right now. This is New Generation Declassified, and you're listening to an all new New Generation Declassified here exclusively on the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling's podcasting empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and every single week we go back in time and take a look at something having to do with the world of the World Wrestling Federation between those mid 90s, those glorious years of the mid 90s. We focus on the new generation. The forgotten era to some, the, the maybe the forgotten era on purpose to others, uh, but this week no different. We're going to get into a very interesting topic. But before we say what the topic is, gotta welcome in my special guest for the evening from the fully posable wrestling figure podcast, the uh, Netflix uh, star. I'm even. I can't believe we're talking. I mean, I'm, I feel so honored to be uh, joined in your presence. But Jeff from Fully Posable, thanks so much for coming on tonight. Well, thank you for having me on, Chad. That was very professional at the beginning, man. Sometimes uh, when Scott and I record, man, it's like I stumble over a few things. I'm like, oh, I got to redo that. So you did good on that opening. But thank you, you for having me on, man. Oh, my pleasure. You do it over. You get repetition. It's just like riding a bike. <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> you'll make it someday, kid. Don't worry about it. It doesn't matter what anybody <laughs> says about you. It's not true. Hey, hey only five years in. I'm going to get it one day, man. I know I have a couple. I have like one year on you or two. <laughs> and now let me take you back to that. So I remember when you guys popped on the scene, mm -hmm. uh, but it seems like that has gone by very, very fast. A and for you guys to be uh, looking into doing a wrestling figure podcast five years ago was kind of like different. You know, there was really nobody doing a niche product like there is now. I mean, there's something for literally every kind of collector. We had a trading card guy on a few weeks ago, and like now I've fallen deep into the wrestling trading card world. There's like 900 podcasts for that, and I had no freaking clue. And when, you're, when you do the kind of podcast that I do, you get very tunnel vision. You get very one-sided, yep. but for you guys, it was so much different. It was This was not something that was common then, but now... And not to say you're one of many, you guys kind of help set the mold. Now I'm going to give you credit for that. So don't think that's Thank a you. knock at all. But no, yeah, man, five it. years ago, much different. Yeah, exactly, man. It was one day I got home and I wanted to just, I wanted to start a podcast. Scott and I had done something earlier in the year and we covered wrestling. And honestly, dude, that show sucked. <laughs> it was, we covered the Royal Rumble 2015, I think, or WrestleMania 20. Anyways, the show was terrible, right? So Scott and I did a kind of a pilot episode and it sucked and we just, we let it go right there. Fast forward a few months, I got home and I was doing about an hour drive home from work and an hour drive to work. And uh, I was like, man, I want to do a show, but I don't, I can't think of anything because I want to do something different. I want to do something that hasn't been done before. Well, I get home from softball one day, sit down on the bed, pick up the iPod. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to see if there's a wrestling figure podcast, you know, maybe something I can listen to on the way home, you know? So I go into iTunes, nothing. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do a Google search, do a Google search, nothing. And I'm like, man, I can't find anything. So one day I'm driving home from work and I was like, wait a second, 
why can't we do a wrestling figure podcast? So I went back to Scott. Scott's like, dude, that's great. That's a great idea. So that's how it all got started right there. And that's how the ball started rolling. Obviously, like you said, it was a niche market. And luckily we were able to find a good following and people that kind of back it started backing us and started pushing us and saying, Hey, this is great. Keep doing it. You know? Cause if obviously if we were still doing it five years later with only like 60 listeners, <laughs> that'd be a little rough, dude. <laughs> now that would be, uh, we would equate that to a huge waste of time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Why are, why are we even doing this? Right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, that's great. And I love that because when anybody ever reaches out to me to ask about podcasting, I always say, just try to do something outside the box, you know, because right. for me, and somebody who participated in a show for so many years has focused on interviews and chasing, you know, the next guy that the other show is not going to get and chasing it and chasing it. It gets rather difficult. And when the market starts to get saturated with other shows that might bring down maybe the not the credibility of, of interviewing or get, getting talent, but gives mm-hmm. the guests perception of what a podcast might be. And they might get scared. They might not do your show because of it. So yep. for you guys, I love the concept from the start because I'm an old school collector. I, I really dig, you know, people who kind of have the same interest in me in that regard. But it just you had nothing out there and you guys really set it off. And now, like I said, there's a million of them and and not to say anyone's better than the other. But you guys set the mold, in my opinion. And then really the shock and surprise. I will never forget this. I, I got sent a an image when the uh, the Netflix the toys that made us uh, was prepping, you know, the next season and they put WWF up there. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, man, I can't imagine who they would get as talking heads. Right. I, I, I have no right. idea fast forward whenever the stills were starting to get released and i saw that you guys were picked for that i was like that just goes to show you how powerful the podcast genre medium whatever you want to call it can be and i give you guys nothing but credit for getting that and kind of quick in a few years you got that and that's awesome yeah much appreciated man thank you very much uh it was all the listeners honestly from from the start it was all the listeners because they flooded the toys that made us with dms with tweets hey you guys need fully posable it just it blew up one night i remember sitting here it was hot as hell out here and i was like all of a sudden my twitter just blows up i'm like what's going on all of a sudden i start kind of reading through the threads and everything i was like oh my god the listeners went to bat for us and got us on the show and i kid you not four days later guess what we get an email from the toys that made us hey you guys want to come on (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know and it's funny because, you know, for us, and I'm going to say us as collectors, as people mm-hmm. who have been in this game for a long time, you see a lot of people getting into it. For yep. me, that's like a refresher to watch yeah. the toys that made us. And there, maybe there's some things I don't know about production, and there's a couple things I don't know about. Maybe the guys that help put it together, like the story from the WCW Galoob stuff and, mm-hmm. and going events. Like that, I never knew that part. To me, that was great. But then you talk about the waves, you talk about who's available, what's rare. I'm like, all right. I know that. Uh, that it's cool. I guess it's in documentary form. And now somebody who's watching this that doesn't uh, collect is going to go in their attic, find these and now sell them for mint, uh, you know. Online. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me uh, let me flip the script on you. Sure. When did you start collecting? Oh, I go all the way, all the way back. 1987, I would say. I got my first LJNs. It was Hogan, uh, Hillbilly, uh, mm-hmm. two-pack. I, maybe it was 86. But it was the Hogan Hillbilly two pack, and it was uh, it was off to the races. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't stop there, huh? No. Oh my gosh, no. And I still consider myself an LJN guy over anything. 
Yeah. Uh, as much as I love the Hasbro, as much as I love the mid nineties WWF, I still go back to the LJNs because that's when I became a fan. And that's the guys that, you know, I, I still love to watch to this day. And I've talked to a lot of them and gotten a chance to bring the LJNs to life in, in yep. one way, shape or form. And uh, to me, that's uh, that it's, it starts and ends at LJN. Everything else. I'm still fascinated by some of the figures they're putting out now, mm-hmm. but it, it always will go back to the LJNs. They are forever engraved in my brain. Well, the LGNs were just great, man. They were one pose, but they made you use your imagination on how to do moves. Yeah. And that's what that's what the great thing was about those is, okay, I can't lift the leg to drop a leg, so I'm going to have to turn him on his back and then drop the leg, a.k.a. I'll use Hogan as the example. <laughs> yeah. You know, but they were set up in poses outside of the Rick Rude. <laughs> you know, they were set up in poses that the you worst. could. I know. It's, <laughs> it's still right, a lot of us couldn't get it anyway, so it didn't matter. <laughs> it's a it's a dumpster fire. Let's admit it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but we couldn't get Rick Rude, so it was uh, it was okay. I never saw the Rick Rude until years and years later. You know, I see, I've, I'm the kind of guy, I mean, I, I collect, but I also flip. So I've probably okay. flipped the LJN collections like four times over, but you still get that little bit of you that, that kid inside that when you're holding the warlord or you're holding the yep. ultimate warrior and you're going, wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow, hey. man. If I could have had this when I was a kid, I would have been off like in, in my room for hours and never and, coming and, out. And that's the way we were. I mean, literally it was hours just setting up your matches for that night. Um, it, it was just so much fun, you know? And again, that was before pre-internet days and cell phones and tablets and all that stuff. So you sat there with your toys for two, three hours, just playing. And it yeah. was great. It was absolutely great. And you used your imagination, you know, people would book their fig feds for Scott and I, we were just plain vanilla basically what we were seeing on tv we were booking on our shows you know if it, <laughs> if we would just watch a saturday show that had terry funk versus hogan we're gonna book terry funk versus hogan you know i can't uh, i can't debate that at all now you mentioned scott so scott's your brother i'm gonna tell the yes. audience if they haven't listened scott's your brother yep. uh and that's what you guys make a great team because you know you can uh <laughs> you can give the other guy crap and he's not gonna get pissed off about it because he's your brother he's gonna have to deal with it <laughs> yeah well sometimes he does <laughs> I, that's edited out of the show <laughs> yeah, yeah and then the only ones you have to worry about is the family members that if they uh hear something bad uh, said about uh, them on the uh, show <laughs> so so we had to stop cursing on their show and basically we didn't drop any f-bombs or anything but we said shit a couple times and uh our dad's like son we like the show but you got to stop saying shit and i was like all right i guess we're gonna drop shit now <laughs> uh i hear you it's been i've had the same criticisms uh you know an f-bomb comes out and i get the text message going whoa <laughs> like hey you know it's natural sometimes it's the microphone that does it not me but um all right so that's ljn now one thing i like to preface on this show we don't talk about the past. We don't talk about LJN and we don't talk about the future, the attitude era, Jack specific, that stuff in the future doesn't even exist. The stuff in the past is a relic. We're finding those at antique stores and flea markets at this point in the mid nineties. Right. So we're going to focus on the end of the Hasbro era into the just toys era of WWF action figures. But before mm-hmm. we do that, where were you at in the mid nineties during the new generation? Were you, uh, were you actively watching, you know, who was your guy? What was your, uh, were you favored to one promotion over the other? Where were you at in the mid nineties? Mid nineties. I was still WWF as bad as it was. I mean, we got fed some 
crap gimmicks. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, the Duke, the Dumpster Drossy, the Mantars, you know, TL Hopper. I mean, it, it, we just got fed the horrible, horrible gimmicks. Um, the Goon, I can throw that one out there. But I was still a WWF guy due to Bret Hart still being there. Mm-hmm. Bret Hart, Bret was my guy. Bret from the Hart Foundation days when him and Jim turned good till the day he retired was Brett was my guy from then to then. That was it. Okay. All right. I can respect that. Yeah. Brett, you know, I look back at Brett. I like Brett probably the most out of everybody there, but I still, I always lean back to the past. I was always like, ah, it was better a few years ago. I want Hogan back. Or I want Piper <laughs> back. I want Savage. And oddly enough, they'd all have their little time to shine throughout the, uh, the new generation years as Brett is ascending up the ladder and becoming the guy. Uh, right. You still see cameos by Hogan, Piper, Warrior, the Macho yep. Man up until he leaves. And it's kind of like you, you get a little flavor of the past. You know, even Hacksaw mm-hmm. Jim Duggan's there for, you know, almost the first full year of the New Generation era, which, for reference, I put it at the start of Monday Night Raw through when they got rid of the R.A.W. and went to the Titantron. So that's our window of years here on the program. Okay, so we're talking 93 to 97? Early 97, yes. Early so, 97? Okay, early so 97. T- technically Hasbro's were still, at, they were at the tail end, right. but they were still relevant at the time. Correct. So. And we're on the, and Jax, I say they're in the future. Jax, we get about a year plus of Jax, but we'll get into them uh, in a few minutes. So let's talk about that tail end of Hasbro. I mean, so 93 sure. You know, they started to get a little thinner in terms of being able to find them as easily uh, mm-hmm. in 93. Not in 1990, 91, you couldn't walk into a, a Toys R Us or a Child World or a Caldor or a Bradley's or wherever you got a Kmart without yep. seeing pegs upon pegs upon pegs of the Hasbro figures. As we got into 92 and the waves got a little smaller, they got a little bit harder to find, a little more scarce. Into 93, it was even getting harder to find and now they're starting to switch colors. So take us back to 93 and kind of where the Hasbro toy line was at from your perspective at this point. Uh, so we did see, anyway, say we Scott and I did see them starting to dry up on Toys R Us and KB toys pegs. Um, actually KB toy did have some remnants leftovers. You know, they had the stick or the three for nine 99. Correct. Right. And, you know, you always look back at that and you're like, oh man. <laughs> I, I, hang on, hang on one second. I'll tell you this quick story. In Go 1996, I went to a, a meet and greet with Bret Hart at the Monmouth Mall in Eatontown, New Jersey, at a brand new baseball card shop that had opened up. The day of that signing was the first unveiling of the Jax figures at KB. Okay. Oh. They're all on the peg. But if you remember the first wave of the Jax figures, there's figures, there's arms hanging off, there's legs <laughs> hanging off, they're all deformed, there's wrong card backings, everything. Yep. That was all well and good. Right in front of the Jax wall was the debut of the giant basket of <laughs> Hasbro figures piled to the sky oh. in the for nine ninety nine. And I sit there and I look back at that and I go, if only we knew. <laughs> I know. Right. I mean, it's, it's just one of those you think back and you're like, man, if we would have just scooped those up, I mean, we already had them loose. If we could have just scooped them up, kept them, you know, for years, just threw them in a tote and just left them. 
Scott and I could put a down payment on the car each. Oh my gosh. Forget about it. <laughs> I could have used another Texas tornado. I didn't need it, but I could have used one or maybe two. Cause there was like 15 of them in the bin. <laughs> right, right, right. So going back to 93, we did see that they were starting to dry up on KB and Toys R Us pegs. So, um, Luckily, there was a little mom and pop shop out here in Castro Valley, California, and it's called Castro Village Toy Shop. Well, luckily for us, Scott became friendly with the owner because Scott would go in and he would buy Spawn. He would buy Hasbro's. He would buy, uh, man, he just bought a bunch of stuff from uh, John over at Castro Village Toy Shop. So we started to see that the pegs were starting to dry up and we were seeing Gorilla and Bobby on primetime wrestling start to get newer figures and we were seeing them in the WWF magazine. So Scott goes up to John and he goes, Hey, is there any chance you can get any of the new Hasbro's WWF Hasbro's? And John's like, yeah, I can order you a case. Sure. Scott goes, well, I don't need a case. I just need one set. And he goes, I'll just sell the rest. You know, obviously again, yeah. looking back, wish we would have purchased the case, but that's the case. <laughs> even the box would have just yeah. been worth that thing. <laughs> Hindsight's always 2020, dude. It is. It is. <laughs> so uh so John orders the case a week later. John calls Scott. Scott heads down there and he picks up the figures. And it that's the way it was all the way up until the green cards. We wow. we always went through John. And luckily we had that hookup. Yeah, I mean, that was the saving grace, and that's the only reason we've got from was it series nine and on or series eight and on? I can't remember if it was the red cards and on or series nine. I can't remember. But anyways, it was from then on. Yeah. Cause the assortment that kind of pops up in the beginning of 93 is the tail end of the Federation year guys, you know, your berserkers and, you know, uh, yep. repo man and guys like that, that are basically they're phased out or they're out of the company completely. Uh, yep. They're kind of released in the early part of 93. And that's where I think it's like the, the regular, the last of like the regular card waves before they really switched over to mm -hmm. the, uh, you know, the color ones, but that assortment being leaning more on the Federation years. That's where you cross over to the 93 and you don't have Hogan there full time. Macho Man's a commentator. There's no Piper. There's no Warrior. Um, Hasbro, whether or not it was just a, a marketing thing or being able to sell it, like I said, just kind of they they made the the assortments smaller, and it, it seemed like it took forever between waves for them to come out because it, it, you'd look at TV and be like, well, this guy's gone or that guy's gone, and that yeah. could also go with production back in the day that it took a lot longer. Um, but that first set that kind of pops up in early 93 is a lot different than that green card set that would close out the 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 Hasbro run completely mm -hmm. because you see the Federation guys versus a Ludwig Borgen, Adam Baum, a Yokozuna, or any of those that a one, two, three kid, two different uh, you know, sides of the coin. But it seemed like a lot of distance between those two, and it was only about a year. Yep. So, uh, and it was just painful to watch that be the last series too. Yeah. Because we were, we were thinking, okay, green cards just came out we're expecting another series never came to be and we were stuck with just toys bendums and if you switch over to wcw we had old san francisco toy makers at the time right so it was kind of a stopgap before jacks and it, they did their job i mean we'd still pick up the osftms and we'd play with those but i mean it just we missed the hasbros we missed displaying the hasbros because the hasbros were beautiful figures yes, they were great 
they, yeah. they were great. Like where LJNs, you could just pick up, you know, throw Bundy at your brother's head, you know, concuss him, whatever, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, but the Hasbro's were just beautiful. You didn't want to pick them up and throw them. You wanted to display them. They look great. And to this day, they still look great. Yeah. You sitting there cleaning them, you know, you take out mm -hmm. a couple scratches, you know, touch them up with you, you know, whatever you could, whether it was a Sharpie with like an idiot or you had, <laughs> you know, like real acrylic paint, you wanted to touch them up. Yep. Uh, they, they look great. And, uh, you know, that was the thing. I mean, and even those later years, the, 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 uh, uh, the solid blue, the yellow, the green, the red, I, I feel like the, the colors on them and the detail that went into them was a little bit more, sophisticated than it was in 90 and 91 where you may you get ripples of the ultimate warriors veins mm -hmm. but to get you know the vest etching of razor ramon complete with the gold that goes underneath the hair it's like that's pretty damn good details but yeah. like you said displaying a, a 10 out of 10 nobody correct. i mean outside outside of the hasbro world nobody knew that that was going to be it right and it crushes you to think man okay what what would have happened if they would have went into 95? What would have happened if they would have gone into 96 before Jax took it over? You kind of start thinking about that and you start doing the Rolodex. Would they have done the crappy gimmicks? Yeah. You know, I, we would have gotten, you know, obviously would have gotten the Jarrett's, but right. would they have done the goon? Would they have done the TL hoppers or whoever the gimmicks were that were rolling out at that time? Yeah, because the supposed Orange series, which I guess has been, you know, uh, widely talked about, you know, Diesel is the world champ, uh, made in the USA, Lex Luger, Men on a Mission, uh, Double J, Jeff Jarrett, uh, I believe another repaint of Doink, yeah. um, relying very heavily on more of that style. But that's where I see the waves got smaller. So whereas the first, you know, maybe, a, what is it, the second one, Series 2, that was probably the biggest Mm -hmm. The last few are really very small. And I think there's one in there that only had four or five guys. The one with uh, Bulldog and uh, Ricky Steamboat and, and Brett. I mean, that was a really small wave itself. But would they have? I don't know. They didn't seem like they allotted many slots. We would have just got a repaint of Tatanka or something, you know? <laughs> right, right. I, I wouldn't, I, I, I'd hate to think about them losing it because there would have been, you know, would have, would we have gotten Hakushi? Yeah. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of guys that you, you go, okay, they would have probably done a crap gimmick, but man, we could have gotten a Hakushi. We would have gotten that diesel. We would have gotten that double J. So it's a lot of what if. So in between all this, as mm -hmm. Hasbro's kind of wrapping up and uh, before Jax would, uh, you know, swoop in, uh, WWF was kind of like a lost merchandised soul. We talk about it all the time. There were no more lunch boxes and sleeping bags and pencil cases and the oddball merchandise. But the figures was kind of weird because slotted right directly in between those is the Just Toys Bendems. Mm -hmm. Bendems, every product had Bendems. X-Men had Bendems. You know, uh, uh, Gumby was obviously a Bendem. <laughs> there were Bendems for basically every single toy line uh, that right. you could possibly imagine. I never pictured the WWF as being bendables. Now, I know WCW had them a few years earlier, but these were different. These were almost in scale with the Hasbros, but they were like LJNs. They were very clearly rubber, but they kind of swooped in out of nowhere and gave you a better assortment than that mm -hmm. last run of the Hasbros. Well, yeah, and we didn't mind the Just Toys Bendems. They, I didn't wrestle with them. I liked the way they looked, but they were a good little stopgap. I mean, it, they had to kind of fill in that year, year and a half of not having Hasbro's. Um, Scott loved them. So, you know, he was happy with them. He's like, oh, dude, I got the next set of Bendems. I'm like, okay, dude, let's play Nintendo or Sega, you know? 
<laughs> but you know, he was pretty stoked to get those. Um, I, we actually enjoyed the Bendems when we were younger with the LJN Bendems. Right. We we loved those, but for some reason, I guess it was the time frame growing up. They didn't capture us like the LJN ones did. Right. So I I guess it's that growing up period. Yeah, there's something different though about those LJN Bendems. They're more like very authentic to the actual figure, just shrunken down. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the toy commercial, uh, the the uh, the Bendem commercial with Mean Gene. I mean, I literally, <laughs> I'm not. I kid you not. Wore out a tape rewinding <laughs> that commercial <laughs> because they when they show them all set up around the cage at the end, that was like a dream. Uh -huh. um, but just something about the Just Toys Bendems, that first series uh, that they dropped. Like I said, if you look at the last series of the Hasbros, where it's Ludwig Borga, you know, it's Adam Bomb, it's the kid, the smoking guns. It doesn't really hit you over the head. Whereas the Bendems come in strong with a Razor Ramon, a Diesel, Bret Hart, Lex Luger, and Doink, and it's like okay. There was no diesel. There was no made in the USA Lex Luger. There was no Razor Ramon without his vest. Right, you know, these right. are pretty. These are pre Brett still gets his glasses. He never loses those. But <laughs> those, it, it, this is the powerhouse guys. And we always say there's five guys of the new generation that always stand out the most. It's Diesel, Razor, Sean, Brett, Taker, right? Those five right. guys. Yep. Luger, the anomaly of the new generation. You think it's going to get built around him. He finally gets his due, but it's in the Bendem line. <laughs> well, the American made Lex Luger got made because uh, the red card was the narcissist. We don't so he that doesn't count. This is the guy they <laughs> wanted to go with. The made in the USA, Lex Luger got relegated to a Bendem. <laughs> so to kind of throw it back, is it the guy that they wanted to go with? Well, in retrospect, now that's what we've seen. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean, because like, what was it that? he wins by a disqualification at SummerSlam. Yeah. Why didn't they, they pushed him to the moon. They gave him the bus. They gave the Lex express. This thing was torn throughout the U S this guy was supposed to be the next big thing. You know, he was supposed to be the next Hogan. He gets to SummerSlam and he wins by countout, and they celebrate like he had just won the title. Like they did with Brett at 94 or WrestleMania 10 in 94. Yeah. It's kind of like, okay, I, I don't know if I should be happy or, I'm I'm a little confused after all this. Made him look pretty stupid, is what you're saying. It made it made the guy Lex Luger, the character Lex Luger, look really dumb. <laughs> I wouldn't say it made Luger look dumb. It made that whole situation look dumb. Yeah. <laughs> not a, not a, well. We talked about it on the show a little bit. Not not a huge fan of it. It's it is what it is. It, it was a big moment. The body slam challenge was great, but you know Luger that was is, great. Right, that Luger. Was great. Luger is what Luger is. I love Lex Luger. He's a great, great dude. You know, great, mm -hmm. uh, great conversation with him in the past. It's wonderful. Uh, but yeah, this just toys line. So it comes out. Uh, is it technically the end of 94 or is this into 95? The just toys Bendems? Yeah. I, oh man, you're making me think right now, man. I just got off work. You got to remake. No, nah, I'm just joking. Uh, I think it was the beginning of 95. The only I reason I asked that is because of doink. I think it was the beginning of 95 because I kind of lump it in as that stopgap. So that would be 95 era. So I would probably, I think it was 95, the beginning of, yeah, I'd have to, I have to do a Google search, but, or someone can correct us. Yeah. So that's always better. You know, the, the snarky comment is usually better. You know, it's not 94. Come on. Uh, <laughs> and I always say that because of Doink, because Doink was basically gone in 95. Right. Um, but what this did offer you as that stopgap was, the, the first uh, of uh, 
of figures that we didn't get is Hasbro's. And that's, of course, like I said, another guy from the uh, the Orange series. Mabel gets out there in, in series two. The one, two, three kid gets repackaged uh, from what we saw originally. There was a prototype that changed uh, to what would be the final product. He's mm-hmm. out there. Uh, the British Bulldog now with long hair is out yep. there. And, and Undertaker makes his uh, long-awaited debut in, in the series two. But it's just, again, it's offering us stuff we didn't get towards that tail end that maybe they really were kind of picking up the template where Hasbro left off. And, and I say that because I've seen sketches of what the Bendems looked like, and it is very reminiscent of what the Hasbro concepts were. So I don't know. Maybe that has that been said anywhere that maybe Just Toys was an extension of what Hasbro couldn't finish? No, I don't think so. I think they were just, they wanted to get the main guys out, the, you know, the guys that they know were the guys featured on TV each week. Right. That's the Bretts. That's the Lugers. That's, you know, or the Razors, the Diesels, and so on and so forth. Actually, they were supposed to make a dink, too. There's a yes. prototype. They There's a prototype of a dink out there. Yeah. And never came to be. And that's kind of one I would love to see who has, where it is, you know, stuff like that, because I've never seen a surface. Yeah, the dink is weird. Dink is on the back of the uh, the, the cards for the first series. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was supposed to come with the ring. Uh, yep. There's also an atom bomb uh, prototype yep. that never got made, which, you know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how many people were clamoring for that atom bomb. Then now they probably cut off their right arm to uh, to get the atom oh, bomb seriously? prototype. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but that was one thing I really did like about what Just Toys was able to offer was that they gave you a ring, but they give you something with the ring. Now, I mean, I bought my I got my ring for my birthday with the Hasbros in 1990. I got my flag and championship belt. You know, mm-hmm. I know J.C. Penny would throw you uh, a Macho Man and Hogan, but you know, the Just Toys is saying, "Hey, look, you get this ring. You're supposed to get something uh, special. You're supposed to get Dink." But I think you ended up getting Paul Bearer instead. Something like that, yeah. By the way, were you collecting the Just Toys Bendems at the time? I remember very clearly not liking them uh, at all, and the only okay. one that I remember I picked up the One Two Three Kid. And I picked up Diesel because Diesel was the champion when I found it. And I said, I, how is there not anything better than this for the world champion? And I, I remember just I had Diesel and the one, two, three kid. I never had the Luger. I never had the Razor. I never had, and I kept them carded at the time. Okay. Because um, I at that point, if I bought the Hasbros, I'd open the Hasbros. But um, the offshoots, the Just Toys, no, I, that was the start of my carded uh, collecting. And, <laughs> and Diesel and the One Two Three Kid were the the top ones, but you know, I don't know, I didn't, uh, I didn't really like it because even that first wave versus the second wave is a little more cartoony, mm-hmm. and it's very weird. They all got these big, goofy grins on their face in the first wave, whereas they kind of come back down to earth in the second. Now, did you, did you ever mix federations like? I don't know. Did you ever have your Galoobs play with your Hasbros or did you ever put the Just Toys with the Hasbros or anything like that? Galoob, yes. Just Toys, no. Galoob, absolutely. Um, But, you know, that was in, you know, not every... I was a very... I was a WWF loyalist. (laughs) I hate to say, like, I had a lot of the Galoobs. I had nearly the whole set. I didn't have everybody. I had the ring. And Mm -hmm. I actually liked that ring more. I'd take the the cage off and I'd make that the platform. I'd put interviews on the the Galoob ring. Yeah, but it was cool because it had that that smack when you hit yeah. that ring of the WCW ring was that to me was the best part of the, the, the Galoob ring. But um, funny, another little side story. We didn't mention this in the close up of Hasbro. I would consider this to be a huge fail in my life, <laughs> but <laughs> we went to Toys R Us one day. We were going for a birthday gift for a friend. 
you know, my mom goes in the old speech. We're not getting anything for you. This is for the friend. What is he like? I ah, likes wrestling. Let's get him something wrestling. I walk away. She comes back. She got him the king of the ring <laughs> ring. Oh no. I have given her shit for this. <laughs> How, and I don't, I hate the guy with a passion over different things. Now she bought this guy, the king of the ring ring at Toys R Us in 1993 in, in uh, Hazlitt, New Jersey. And I'll never forget it because I, I I was so pissed off that day. So that, I just wanted to throw that out before we moved on completely. <laughs> it's funny. You still give her crap about it today. Well, it's like us. We still, not. Give, <laughs> we still give uh, we still give our mom crap about the Iron Sheik figure. So back in the day, U.S. was at war with Iran. Yeah. So mom did not want to buy us the Iron Sheik figure because the Iron Sheik LJN had Iran down the side of his tights. And mom would not buy it for us. So she's like, if you guys want it, you have to buy it with your own money. <laughs> so we get over to grandma and grandpa's house. They, they were informed, do not buy us the Iron Sheik figure. So we had to go and use our Christmas money to buy the Iron Sheik figure back in 86. It was wow. hilarious. But to this day, we still give our mom crap about it. She's like, yeah, that was ridiculous. But she's, she still laughs about it now. Listen, if there's anything we could say about your mom after this recording is that she bleeds that red, white, and blue. <laughs> that's, that's for damn sure. Wow. That's America. dedication. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? America. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So just kind of rounding out with the Just Toys. Again, it wasn't it, it actually, it, it was a fairly long run. It was 95-ish to about 2001. Mm -hmm. um, it would get a little, they do a lot of the repaints. They get a little lazy, as I like yeah. to say, but you know, still in the quote new generation years, you know, you still got a pretty good assortment. You got your Mark Merrow's, you got the first sunny figure to, uh, to pop up, uh, Sid Vader. Uh, it was a, a pretty good gold dust. Ahmed Johnson, a very tiny Yokozuna, uh, Shawn Michaels. You Rock. got a good assortment. Yeah. That, uh, later, later. Well, the Rocky <laughs> Maivia did make his way out. So we'll give him Rocky Maivia, but Again, it was the cool assortment, but you just had wished it wasn't just toys. You just wish it wasn't Bentham's. Right. Exactly. You wish right. it you wish it was something else other than Bentham's. Like it like I have always said, it was a good little stopgap. And that's that's basically what it was. It just filled in the 95 era along with old San Francisco toy makers. Which I'm not a fan of that line uh either, because it was How just come? It was just dull. It was just like it, it kind of there, and you you knew they were ripping off of the LJN style, and you know you mm -hmm. just kind of it, it wasn't the same. Because if I want LJN, I'll go get LJN. <laughs> I don't need this, you know. And like their their whatever materials were were their rubber was very odd. I uh, just yeah. wasn't a fan of it. Not uh, not one of my favorites. Um, but uh, one thing I want to tell you too, and I, I don't know if you would have picked up on this then, and you would have saved it, but. The trading cards on the back of the Just Toys Bendham cards, I've come to learn since really digging down the rabbit hole of new generation merchandise, are very sought after. Yes. Because and that, of their rarity, and you threw the car down. That was it. And, and it's funny, too, because everybody says that was the very first, well, technically it would be the second, because I believe The Rock had a my University of Miami card, yes. if I'm not mistaken. Correct. But they said that this was The Rock's rookie card for wrestling and it's like okay are we just nitpicking here i mean come on <laughs> that's that's a little bit much well they either got to pick the just toys bendham card or they skip to the wwf trivia set 
of uh, 97 as the Rock's uh, rookie card. So, mm. I mean, it's very odd that they picked those. <laughs> How much is that one going for? It, if you get it graded and it gets a Jim Mint 10, I mean, they're looking at a couple hundred dollars. I mean, these are things that, again, I had the trivia set. I probably sold it for $15, you know, yep. 10 years ago because yep. nobody saw this coming down the pike that, you know, the, the Hunter Hearst Helmsley uh, card is uh, the Triple H rookie in America. Uh, mm -hmm. Although I've also come to find out in South America, there's this extremely rare WWF trading card set that's got not only my man, uh, the franchise, as the Dean Douglas uh, character in four different trading cards. Whoa. Skip and, and Zip have cards. Uh, Isaac Yankum, newly minted Hall of Famer. He's got uh, cards. It's... Uh, <laughs> It's quite the set, but Just Toys is our American extension for the uh, the action figures, but paved the way for Jax. So what mm -hmm. are your first memory of, of the Jax figures? Did you like them? Uh, again, hits uh, the big five that I mentioned earlier. Razor, Diesel, Sean, Undertaker, and Brett. Uh, first time seeing them, we were at Hayward, Hayward, California. Went to the Toys R Us where we grew up. Walked down the aisle. We see them right on the pegs, and we're like excitement yes we got figures then we pick them up and actually examine them and we're like uh <laughs> these are terrible <laughs> i know it's like can we just get the just toys bendums back <laughs> but, oh my gosh and you know what love them or hate them you know people have a passion for the bone crunchers i don't have that passion for them i look at them as hideous yeah I, it's sorry just being honest but that's the way i felt about them I just thought that they were absolutely hideous. And I still think that way that they're absolutely hideous. But what happens is, is there's a lot of people that grew up in right. that era right. that view those figures like we view LJN. So I can't really knock them for feeling that way because they may think the same thing about LJNs. So not in my but, world. They won't. <laughs> oh, dude, <laughs> I'm fist bumping you from California all the way to New Jersey, dude. But it, it, I, to me, they're hideous. They're ugly. But if somebody two houses down says that they're some of the greatest figures because that's what he grew up with, I'm not going to argue with them. No, no, not at all. No, again, it's preference. It's, it's, it is what it is. Uh, but with the Jax figures, and, you know, you'd have a better dial into this than me in most regards. You know, did, has Jax, like, you know, did they ever at any point acknowledge that that first couple of series was just dog shit? I mean, again, production errors, flimsy limbs. You would buy figures legit that didn't have they, the, the arm is dangling at the bottom of the box. There was a absolutely atrocious production, but it could have been to get them out quick. Right. And Scott tells this story as well. Scott picked up a razor Ramon, pops it open, holds up the razor and his ass falls off. <laughs> Scott's like, okay, well, all right, I guess I got to get some gorilla glue or super glue or whatnot. And <laughs> put it. Hey, look, here's my new figure. Yeah. That's that stuff uh, oozing out of his uh, underarms and his ass. I don't know what it is. <laughs> an action feature. <laughs> right. Right. Um, it, we didn't have, okay, I just got the razor, but outside of that, we didn't really have any of the issues that a lot of people experience with arms falling off or anything. Now, I don't know if you did, but for us, arms didn't really fall off uh, and ass did. But other than that, we bought a bunch of bone crunchers and we never had any issues. Now, there were some loose joints where like an arm, you could just start spinning it, you know, like yeah. one of those fidget spinners that a lot of kids had back in the day, you know, but um but there was never anything that fell off for us except for that razor figure. 
Oh no, it was very, uh, it was very clear to see uh, back then. My uncle was a uh, was basically a toy dealer at that point, mm-hmm. and uh, my cousin was starting to collect. And my cousin almost like he got. It's almost like they literally took him from the factory and gave him to my cousin because, <laughs> I, you know, Shawn Michaels' arm was off, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, Bret Hart's leg was off, and it was just this thing. You're looking at it like, wow, like this is. This is weird, but what Jax did was they incorporated the Gold Dust figure, and that was a really sought after figure for quite a while. Because even though it wasn't the first, I think the Just Toys did it come out at that same time, basically. Uh, yeah, yeah. But this time had the removable hair, and that was a big deal. That was a huge deal. Like to have that wig be the accessory, that was a fantastic touch. Um, I will give Jax Bone Crunchers some credit, they did have some gems. I'll give you an example. The warrior that had the yes. extra tan. I think that was series two warrior where he was in the blue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fantastic figure. And then they came out with that survivor series uh, yes. four pack yes. that had warrior in green. And he had that same tan going on. The figure looks great. I think it's fantastic. And I will give them credit. They did have those little sprinkles of like what they could do. And then you go and you look at the Brett where, like you said, arms are falling off or they're dangling down or whatnot. And then you're like, Oh yeah, this is Jack's terrible. Yeah. I mean, and that, that is, you know, when I started to get my own money, I was buying the whole series. I had them all on the wall at one point, you know, I had the, uh, the, the one thing I'll give Jack's a lot of credit for where they kind of thought outside the box, those larger, uh, multi-packs, the, mm-hmm. Survivor Series, the Championship Series. I think there was a, a, a WrestleMania or a Rumble Series in the early mm-hmm. years. Uh, th- that was something that was not done before. And to give you a higher price point, you know, twenty dollars to twenty five dollars, not a ring accessory. That was uh, that was pretty cool. And the Warrior, the Green Warrior, mm-hmm. just seemed cooler because it was in that four pack and yep. the Survivor Series set. <laughs> that Survivor Series set was just beautiful. I mean, with Brett and Sean and Warrior and I as gold dust as the fourth right uh, just beautiful man and it's one of those that you don't want to crack out of a box no because the whole presentation of it even the box looked good and yeah, you're right. like okay I, yeah i've got another brett figure i can leave this one in the box yeah oh my gosh absolutely now uh the other thing i want to point out is the razor and diesel two-pack mm-hmm do you recall that? Do you, did you ever, were you able to, you know, I remember it being a, a, something you ordered in the mail through a toy magazine and mm-hmm. it was a razor and gold and a big daddy cool mm-hmm. across the, uh, the diesel singlet. But this comes out well into when they're into WCW, this is surfacing as they're in the NWO and they're kicking WWF's ass. Uh, right. so technically, you know, we're, we're like, we want these, but they're the NWO now. Do you remember those? Did you ever get that uh, two pack? Never did. Never did. Scott was like, basically, okay, I've already got diesel and razor. I don't need, because I've got to be honest, Scott, I was in high school at the time and Scott was actually working. So if we got figures, Scott would buy most of them and you say, Hey, give me a couple bucks or, you know, something like that. But Scott would buy a majority of them. Right. And the razor and diesel comes out and Scott's like, I don't need another razor diesel. Cause he did see him and he was like, yeah, just the desire wasn't there to get him because he's already got series one. Right. Yeah, I gotta say the gold razor is pretty damn good, and that was uh, that was one I, I wish I could have grabbed. But I just again, I remember it being in a, in a magazine, and mm-hmm. never being able. I never saw it in in on the East Coast anywhere. If I'm in New York, New Jersey, wherever we went, uh, I forget because I, I used to get the toy magazines all the time. Again, I, like I said, my uncle was a toy dealer. Uh, both mm-hmm. my uncles were toy dealers, 
uh, at one point. And uh, I used to have Tomarts. I'd have Lee's action figure, Dijar, action figure, whatever it was. I can't remember now. But <laughs> what, what was it? It was the Lee's action figure. Was it Digest? Do you remember? Do you remember those magazines? Am I the only one here? Uh, so there was there was a toy toy guide. I think it was toy guide. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, that's the one we used to get. It was toy guide. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we used to get. Yeah, Tomarts uh, was a little more. Uh, it was a, it was a little more expensive. It didn't have as much uh, meat as the Lees. Right, right. Toy uh, toy guide we used to get at uh, Tower Records. Okay. Now that I'm thinking about it, that's where we used to get it. You know, the only thing that we're really doing here is just dating ourselves because those things don't exist anymore. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that doesn't exist that you're looking back and you're like, oh man, those were the days. I mean, I, I will say this. We grew up in a great time. Yes. Be- because you, I, I see the kids now and they're on their phones and they're on their tablets and all that stuff. And I look back to us, we had to go outside and make up basketball games with our friends, or we used to sit down and play figures or toys for two hours and use our imagination. It just doesn't seem like the imagination is there for a lot of the younger kids nowadays because they would just want to like, I'll never understand someone sitting there wanting to watch someone open up a toy. And they're yeah. like, yeah, I, I don't want the toy. I just want to watch this person open it up. Millions like, of views. Millions upon millions upon millions of views. It, I, I, it, it's got to be a generation gap because it just has, doesn't hit over here. I just don't get it. We'll never know. We, uh, we were the trendsetters. <laughs> we were the ones looking for the kids that did collect. We were like, all right, who's he got that I need? <laughs> what can I, what can I, what, what am I, which one of my crap doubles can I trade this guy for his you know, uh, nasty boy stags that I've been looking for? <laughs> oh man those were the days though man those were some fun times trading baseball cards trading football cards those were the days no without a doubt right all right well we'll start to wrap it up here okay. uh again you know you guys uh really creating your own niche a, a friend to the collectors you know not a lot of knowledge and kind of like uh i don't know you consider yourself like uh support groups <laughs> for uh <laughs> for uh for collectors so kind of give us uh you know the rest of the spiel about your uh, your podcast and what you and your brother are doing and uh we'll start to head into the wrap up here sure uh my brother and i do a weekly wrestling figure podcast as the name of the show fully opposable wrestling figure podcast we do have shirts on what a maneuver and pro wrestling tees um what else can i say about us uh we've been doing this for five and a half years um we're we're dumb but we put out an entertaining show <laughs> that's all i could say we wow that's a hell of a catchphrase <laughs> thanks man you know it's like my brother it's like my brother's drunk wrestling history show that he does now he goes we're not always accurate but we're always drunk and i was like that's great that's fantastic you can't beat that no that's uh that's great now before we we send them to where they can get it just one more question about the figures sure so let's close it again 93 to early 97 what is your marquee New generation figure. When you think of these years, there's one figure that comes to mind. Which one is it? 93 to 97. I'm going to go. Okay. So series eight Hasbro. That was the beginning of 93 or the middle of 93. We're going to say sometime in 93 for our. Okay. (laughs) So Brett, so a Bret Hart series eight Hasbro red card, best figure ever. And as I always say, don't at me <laughs> because <laughs> I, I love that figure. It's the best Bret Hart ever made. I know some people are like, oh, the face looks like he's taking a shit. Well, I don't care. It's got the perfect tan. The, it's got the perfect shade of pink on it. It's the best Bret figure ever made to this day. 
Okay. I like that. I, I can completely agree. Uh, I would give the nod to the, uh, the Hulk Hogan mail away. Okay. Why? Because that's Hulk Hogan in his workout attire. And we hadn't seen it. Now they had the same pose a couple series earlier, same, uh, same mm-hmm. mold, but the, uh, it had the more 93 look with the bandana. It had the, the red traditional Hogan workout gear and as a, as a Hogan guy, that was the only one I could never get. So if I think of the uh, the new generation era and I think of figures, I think of that mail-away Hogan popping up in that magazine. And why in God's name I didn't order a oh, bunch boy. of them then like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, and technically, it's his WrestleMania 9 outfit too. Yeah, from that's when, true. When he came down and quote-unquote saved Brett but stole the show because Hogan. That's the best. That's the, only way, <laughs> that's the only way he does it. Come on, he's the... Uh, He's the man, he's, but that's, he's that's the immortal one. one. Exactly. All right. So now send them to where they can find the podcast. Absolutely. You guys can check us out on Podbean, where you can go back all the way back to 2016, January of 2016. You can hear our ramblings of uh, beginnings in 2016 or January, but you can go on the Podbean, search Fully Posable. You can also check us out on fullyposablepodcast.com. Basically, I'm going to just sum it all up. Just do a Google search for us. That's basically the best thing you can do because our shows will pop up on Google and you can just listen to the latest one as well. And if you have any audio questions, questions, or anything else at all, send it on over to fullyposablewfp at gmail.com. Very nice. No, I appreciate it, Jeff. It's been a lot of fun to uh, to talk about this. And again, I've been kind of teasing my way to talking about the figures. I got a lot. I got a long history with it. We could go on for hours about it. I, I mean, this is just something that I've always talked about uh, in other circles. And now I got this guy in this show that I can uh, <laughs> do this with. But it's really cool to do. And I appreciate you coming on. No problem, man. I mean, we could go into Jack's final years of stuff missing and uh, I mean, if you want to, uh, that's those final years of Jax was horrible when they basically knew they were losing out on the contract. Yeah. Well, we can save that for the, uh, the ruthless aggression era podcast, not the new <laughs> generation one. We stick, we stick to this era, 93 to 97. That's it. Anything that happens post 97, we don't care about when Brett Lee, <laughs> that's not happening in our world. We're happy. He's, he's the hitman. He's not going anywhere. He's a WWF guy for life. He just signed a 20 year contract in 96. <laughs> <laughs> Chad has an agenda. We got to stick to it. It's fun though, because you know, you can really box yourself in. And I, I I've said it a million times. If I stop doing this show tomorrow and next mm-hmm. week debut the Federation era podcast, that will go on for 700 years because that's my favorite era. I love the Federation era years, the figures, the, the Coliseum videos, the cards, the magazines, everything about it. That's my era. This era is the one that people shit on and forget about. And that's why I want to talk about what happened in these years. And I want to get people to remember it or discover it for the first time. See, and that's the thing is like these years shouldn't be shit on these. Did they have low attendance? Yes. I mean, but wrestling was going through a huge change at this time. You know, we had the steroid scandal that put a black eye on wrestling. We had horrible gimmicks in WCW. There was just a lot going on that people were, you know, people that loved it in the eighties were growing up and kind of realizing that this isn't cool anymore. Yeah. But at the same time, you got a lot of good stuff. You got Brett as champ a few times. You got, uh, Owen, uh, the whole Owen and brother storyline. That was fantastic. There's so much good stuff in this era. And I give you kudos for sticking to it and saying that this is a good era because yes, it is. I shit on 95. 95 is a horrible year for wrestling, but at the same time, you still get some gems in there like Brett and Hakushi or, you know, you get some 
okay WCW stuff. Not a lot, but you get some okay WCW stuff. You know, so look for those gems. And that's why I call it the Federation in Transition. That's why I like to do this show. It's been about eight months of this show that's been on the airwaves, and it's been a new topic every week. And you just, again, I hear people say, I never saw that before, or I have people say, I didn't mm-hmm. like it back then, but I went back and watched it now, and I liked it. Or I <laughs> I liked it back then, and it sucks. And it just <laughs> stay that way, and I never want to watch it ever again. Why did you make me relive this? So we get every every argument possible. But, uh, again, check out the Fully Posable Wrestling Figure Podcast for uh, your wrestling figure needs. Uh, and if that's all you got, then we can, uh, we can say goodbye. Is that it? Uh, actually, can I say one more thing? You speak now or forever hold your peace. <laughs> You need to do a show on uh, belts. The new generation era belts. I mean, it didn't change much, but I mean, you got the winged eagle, you got the yeah, IC yep. title, tie, tag titles that basically stayed the same, but kind of go in depth on belts. Have but, somebody. Well, hang on, time out. Sorry to interrupt. You can go a little bit into the belts of the new generation era because there was also a women's title. There was also the ill fated King of the Ring championship, and whether or not was it made. For Mabel, or did Mabel Mabel make it himself? So there's a there's something there. I I can hear you on that. Yeah, I would love to hear some get an expert on belts and have it brought have them brought in for that new generation. I'm just dropping ideas for you because that's something I would be really interested in. <laughs> Are you brainstorming on air for me? Maybe. I mean, sometimes I open up the drawer. I see, uh, you know, I see like a pen. I'm like, hmm, let me see. Uh, how about let's do a show about IRS? And like, I, I just kind of, <laughs> I go off that road. I just think of things as they come. But uh, no, that's absolutely, that's something I have been contemplating as well. And I like to grab somebody who ha- does have that expertise and uh, exploit it. And we'll uh, go into it deep. But there you go. We're going to give you credit. Uh, don't, don't give me credit. I just want to listen to it. <laughs> don't at him. He already said it. Uh, yeah, once. yeah, yeah. Don't at me about the Brett figure either. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, we'll say goodbye for this week uh, for the fully posable Matt. Again, check him out on Netflix if you haven't seen the toys that made us. He's got a couple little uh, cameo spots there with his brother. Uh, very cool surprise uh, when I saw that pop up. But uh, for Matt, this is your old buddy, the Chadster, and we will catch you on the flip side. Oh, wait. Time out. Hold on one sec. Let sure. me redo that. Okay didn't give my plugs (laughs) that happens all right so we'll say goodbye for this week and again if you haven't checked out the toys that made us uh please do that it's really cool to see the cameo of matt and his brother uh or jeff and his brother Uh, i was gonna call you matt and jeff the hardy boys (laughs) but i won't do that i'll I'll take it (laughs) so jeff uh and his brother check them out on uh the toys that made us and if you want to follow me on twitter it's at chad emb if you want to head to my website, it's ibexclusives.com. There you'll find all the stuff I've got going on, including all the autograph signings and uh, extravaganzas we have under that umbrella, as well as our website here, the tmptempire.com. It's got all the podcasts. It's got everything that the TMPT has to offer and more, including the Vince Russo Russo brand, where you can catch all of the, uh, the special shows that my partner John does, as well as our show, the Triple Threat Podcast, featuring... The franchise, Shane Douglas, every single week on the Russo brand. Uh, but that's enough. I don't need to say it. I say it every week. Mm-hmm. You're probably tired of hearing me talk. So uh, for, for Jeff and the fully posable crew, this is the Chadster, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.